Welcome to the PTSD Podcast with your host, comedian and military veteran, Bernard the Laugh Therapist Hines, where we discuss PTSD, processing traumatic situations differently, and give you tools to help you overcome the stigma of seeking help. If you're ready to be inspired, then welcome to the stigma-free zone. Here's your host, the lap therapist himself, Bernard Hines. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Bernard Hines, a.k.a. The Laugh Therapist. And listen, I thank y'all for being here rocking with me as usual. Listen, y'all know I call y'all my patients. All y'all my patients because I am the Laugh Therapist, y'all. But you know my tagline. I am not licensed. I am just medicated. So listen, y'all, I have a great show tonight. We have some veterans and we have a military spouse. And listen, all of these people are professionals, and they asked me, the laugh therapist, who could not get out of school because the SAT test scared him because he thought it was the abbreviation for surgery. So listen, I am with some intelligent people, so as they are intelligent, they're going to make me intelligent. This is a Veterans Day special. We're going to be talking about some great stuff, y'all. We got a, uh, it's called Mission Recovery. Come on now, Mission Recovery from Service to sobriety, mission recovery from service to sobriety. So listen, y'all call your friends, call somebody, get somebody, tell them, come on in. So right now I'm going to bring in the young lady who is the pioneer behind all of this. Put your hands together, y'all, for Miss Jessica McGraw. How you doing, Jessica? Hey, Bernard. Thanks for having me. No problem. I want to thank you for even just having this platform for veterans to be able to come up here and explain. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm the Deputy Director of Veteran Services for Summit Be Behavioral Health um, over our Tactical Recovery Division, which is our veteran support services that we offer. And we have 21 locations across the country. And these locations specialize in substance use treatment and mental health treatment as well. And, you know, a part of what makes our programs a little bit unique is they're all psych armor certified, which means that we want to ensure military competency across, um, you know, all of all, all across the organization, all the way down from um, our direct care staff and completely up the chain. Um, these programs also specialize in trauma-informed modalities, and, you know, our mission really is to provide therapeutic treatment for long-term recovery success, but to also approach our treatment in partnership and in collaboration with the VAs. So we are community care network providers, which means that, again, it is in partnership. So uh, primarily we're, you know, we're doing one thing and we want to make sure that as veterans come in for treatment and services, that they stay connected, um, mm -hmm. connected back to other providers, connected back to other resources. Um, and I think that's one of the more unique aspects of the programs that are offered through Tactical Recovery. Wow. I was supposed to say all that, but then I, I let Miss Jessica say it because this that was a whole lot. I told you all we got some great information and I like the word you use partnership. I like that word partnership because, listen, I'm about to bring on two partners that I just met, y'all. They are doctors. We got Dr. Dice. What up, Dr. Dice? How you doing, sir? How you doing, Bernard? Good to be here, man. All right. And listen, we got Dr. Darren. Come on, y'all. Look, y'all, we got some great people. Look, Dr. Dice, thank you for being here. Dr. Darren, thank you for being here. Listen, um, I know y'all was here on time because the check got there. Y'all got the check and y'all were like, y'all was happy just to, to be here. And I appreciate it. So listen, Dr. Dice, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, man. Uh, once again, thank you, Bernard, for having us. It's a chance for us to get the word out to the people hurting. A um, little bit about me. Uh, I'm currently the, the lead therapist and program coordinator of the Military Intensive Outpatient Program at the Farley Center. But before all that, I mean, I was the oldest of eight kids. You know, I was a firefighter, paramedic, went in, joined the Navy, became a Navy SEAL. You know, I was out there with the best of the men out there just rocking it. And, you know, I got tangled up in substance abuse, drinking, you know, it's how I dealt yeah. with everything and uh, yeah. ended up like, I felt like I was on the verge of getting in trouble all the time. 
you know, so I ended up punching out. I got out, did the contracting thing for a while, which just gave me more access to more money and more fun. And uh, that combination took me out. I ended up in treatment. I ended up in a, the Farley Center, in fact, saved my life. You know, those guys there, uh, I, I phrase it, they helped me save me from myself. Wow. Yeah. Um, from there, IOP, back in working a program of recovery, came back to life. And I was so impressed by the, fellow, the, the therapist at the Farley Center that I said, I want to do that. I want wow. to be the hero's hero. Went back to school, went to ODU. All right. Yeah, I got my doctorate in uh, in human services, master's in counseling, PhD in counselor education. Came back as Dr. Dice, and uh, I I went back to work for the Farley Center. And I I said, hey, let's do some good. They let me run with it. We took we took the reins on this military program, and man, here we are today talking to you, having a great time. Wow, that's powerful. Now, how many times you been called Dr. Dice Clay? <laughs> I've been calling many things. Many yeah. Things. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Dr. Duran, tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me here. I am I'm a social work uh, professional. Um I uh, I I didn't start out that way. I was born and raised in the Bronx. Um joined the military at a very young age, at 17, U.S. Army. Cool. 25th Infantry Division, Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. All right. Spent several years in the military. Um, came home, and uh, you know, and those of us or those who've ever served in the military know that you work hard and you drink hard. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah. And uh, came home, and uh, in the, in the early '80s, and that was during the time of the crack epidemic. Okay. I tried my hand at trying to, you know, do some work in in the financial district uh, down in uh, Long Manhattan. That didn't work out. But I got addicted to crack cocaine um, in '86. From '86 to '89, I was homeless for three years, and then managed to surrender. I was at my bitter end and ended up in a therapeutic community in the Bronx, New York. I was there for 18 months. Um, Got heavily involved in Alcoholics Anonymous. I managed to put together 22 years of sobriety. And in 2001, 9-11, I was running a drug treatment program in Alphabet City, East 10th Street between Avenue A and Avenue B. And, uh, you know, all hell broke loose. And I don't want to get into any great detail. That's mostly right. where a lot of my trauma comes from. Right, right. So much right. to me being in the military, but going through that experience. Right. And uh, I had 12 years sober at the time, stepped away from my higher power. I could not wrap my head around the fact that if there's a God, how could he allow that situation to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wandered for 10 years, white knuckling it. And slowly but surely, I relapsed in 2011. Um, but in the, the the time that I was sober, I managed to earn a bachelor's degree in human services, the MSW in social work, and a PhD in social welfare. And uh, worked 30 years. I'm currently retired, uh, but and but I'm I'm currently in sobriety now and recovery right. with St. Joe's. Um, as recent as February this year, um, and uh, took me ten years to get back. But I got heavily involved in treatment and left there and came into a place called Footprints to Recovery. And both places had a strong military first responders track. And um, and and even during the course of my career, I devoted a lot of my time working with homeless persons and homeless vets, particularly. So wow. that's a little bit of my experience. Yeah, well, that's, you, you, you did a good one there. Yes, that's a good one there. Listen, <laughs> I told you, I told everybody, listen, you're going to have some great conversation tonight. These are two young men who came from mission recovery, from service to sobriety. You know what I'm saying? So that is great. So listen, we're going to jump right into these questions right now. And what does being a veteran in recovery mean to you? Y'all, either one of y'all can jump in or you can raise your hand. I, you know, I know you're in the military, so you use somebody telling you what to do. But you're free to do what you want to do right now. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, Dr. Thanks, you go ahead. Oh, thank you. There we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll, let me jump on that. What does a veteran in recovery mean to me? It means this. Uh, I have an awareness, a personal awareness that when I run into an, a fellow veteran who's suffering, this is my how I see them. And for those who can't see me right now, my dukes are up. And they're saying, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you sure you're okay? I'm fine. And so I have this awareness that their guard is always up. The military mm. has trained them that way. Yes. They're not going to let you in for nobody. You know? And so I have this awareness that they don't want to do this. And for those who can't see, I put my arms down. I'm being open and vulnerable. That's the last thing a veteran wants to ever be, no matter how bad they get. That's true. That, that insight is what it means to me is to be aware of where they're at. Wow. That's great. Dr. Darren. Yeah, I would just echo that. I mean, you know, it's about being mindful. Uh, there's a saying that I learned years ago to be aware is to be alive mm -hmm. and to be mindful of your environment. Um, it, it means the world to me. I mean, you know, it's about saving my life and it's about saving others lives. Mm -hmm. I believe that I've been given this grace you know, my higher power has given me the grace, which I like to refer to as the gift of sobriety. Okay. And, um, you know, this gift is so important. This grace is so important that I can't, I can't keep it if I don't give it away, if I don't give back. And my life, at this point in my life, that's what it's been, that's what it's been all about. Giving it, giving it back, trying to help another alcoholic, trying mm -hmm. to help another veteran. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the veteran population out there who um, are struggling with alcoholism and other addictions are also struggling with homelessness. Correct. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. Uh, trauma. There are all these layers and dimensions that, uh, you know, it's like peeling the, the proverbial uh, onion, the layers, and getting through those layers to get to the person. And once we're able to do that, you know, you have something tangible to work with. Mm -hmm. But it's a process and it takes time. So, you know, uh, veterans programs or the work that a lot of programs do in helping veterans. Let me tell you, VA saved my life. Yeah. Uh, All right. Times. Thank God for the Veterans Administration. That's right. That's uh, right. So it means it means the world to me. But most importantly, what it means to me it, it's it's about giving it back, playing mm -hmm. it forward. I believe that that's what my purpose is right now. All right. Miss Jessica, I'm not going to leave you off. What does working with the veterans in recovery mean to you? Well, I'm glad you asked. So I say this probably way too often, but it, it's true. I mean, my, my personal and my professional mission is to make sure that they receive the services that they need and they deserve. And I'm a certified substance abuse counselor, so I have a little bit of that clinical background, but my husband is also an active duty service member. So, of course, being able to make sure I can help take care of what we consider our extended family members, um, mm -hmm. is, you know, I, I want to be able to do that. And so, you know, offering these programs through tactical recovery, it just it kind of just all collides for me. And I'm really passionate about what I do. And I just want to make sure that, again, our vets and our service members get all the things that they need so that they can carry on with life and be happy and successful and have opportunities and all of those good things. That's good. That's good. Bernard, Bernard, I have an alibi on that. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, and this is right after Allie. You're going to appreciate that. Being a Allie. veteran in recovery. Okay. Access to our superpower, man. The right. gallows humor that we all have, the brotherhood. We can mm -hmm. and rip on I me. Mean, I can rip on Army right now, and you guys aren't going to hate me forever. There That's you go. Too. And that is a powerful tool to get through to people because That's that right. camaraderie is what they miss. Correct. Yeah. Service. Yeah. Correct. So that that is so important, and that right there is one of our key tools for getting through. And Correct. if I can add that, even the the military first responder group that I'm very involved with here at Footprints to Recovery, where I'm currently an IOP, and I'm on, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm near the end of finishing, but I, I I plan to always come back. This is a special group of men and women. Mm. And we, we do rip on each other, you know. Yeah, I, I don't want to sit next to no Marine, you know. <laughs> you know, but, you know. 
There's a lot of musical chairs going on, but we love each other and we understand each other. We we talk a we talk a language that a lot of people don't understand. Correct. You know, not that we're unique, but you know, we we're cut from a different cloth. Mm-hmm. That's 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 good. That is good. Listen, I had a uh, I had a, a question I was going to ask, and the oh, here it is. See, I'm telling y'all, you're dealing with a disabled vet. I come and go. Um, <laughs> Both of you gentlemen mentioned IOP. What is that? Uh, it's intensive outpatient program. You know, okay. And here's my description of it. For those of you who have been to inpatient, right, inpatient treatment, it's basically a three-hour small group or you know a small group where you process everything and a bunch of psychoeducational different programming around it. But that's okay. the heart and soul of inpatient. Wow. So IOP is just that, and your real life. You know, so it's taking the best part of inpatient and having it follow you for, you know, two months, three months out to help to help you adapt to that transition. Wow. And, okay. and just to expand on that, you know, there's different levels of care. That's what we deal with. Right. We have detox and there's rehab. And then once discharge planning is done, you know, your, your case manager, your therapist will work with you on a discharge plan. And for some, it, they depending on their situation, they may go to straight outpatient or OP okay. um, or IOP, which they need something a little bit more intensive. Now, I would tell you that when I left St. Joe's, I had to do what's called PHP, mm-hmm. which is partial hospital, which is a step down from being in the rehab, but it's outpatient with uh, being living in a supportive living community. Mm-hmm. So it's it's and then you step down from PHP to IOP and so forth. Oh wow! Hey, I just I just want to give the people the information. I'm sure someone asked, "What is an IOP?" Now you know. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, I want to ask just one question right here. Okay, what does Veterans Day mean to you, and how do you honor it or recognize it? And I want to start with Miss Jessica because she is a, a military spouse. And she's around a lot of veterans. How do you honor that or recognize Veterans Day? I think it's really just about recognizing the service, the commitment, the dedication that they've offered for our country and being able to to show appreciation in that and making it special because it is special and it, it is an act of service. And for me and for you know the people that we work with to be able to give back to them um it's it's a celebration for us and it's mm. it it's anything that we can do to support and show again appreciation um that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna recognize it for especially the folks that we're we're currently serving so it's our honor to be able to to serve those who served oh wow that's good go ahead if, if y'all can y'all remember the question yeah I'll right. start this time. I think that, uh, you know, we were just talking about in, in my military first responders group, you know, what are we going to do for Veterans Day, guys? So mm-hmm. a lot of guys said, well, let's go out, let's go eat because Texas Roadhouse, a lot of yeah. people, <laughs> restaurants, they're offering free meals for vets. Correct. But mm-hmm. we forget that Veterans Day, 11th month, 11th day, 11th hour, mm-hmm. uh, that's the history. Started at the at the conclusion of the Great War, World War One, um, and it's it's about recognizing and celebrating the lives that were lost, those men and women who who made the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. in, in protecting our freedoms. Because freedom is not free. At all. And so, you know, Veterans Day, I, I like to think of it as a celebration. I know that for many years, professionally. I work with homeless vets in Long Island City, New York. And what we used to do traditionally was participate in the New York City Veterans Day Parade. Mm -hmm. And we would walk and participate in that parade. There'd be a mayor, there'd be a breakfast at the mayor's, uh, Tracy Mansion, New York City mayor. And and that's how we would start our day, participating in that parade. Um, We would find something to do to give back to other veterans and then we would eat. <laughs> but we didn't eat first you know Correct. we have to find a way to celebrate what veterans day really is about 
And it's about first and foremost recognizing those men and women who gave you or made the ultimate sacrifice. Wow. Listen, y'all, we're having a great conversation today, y'all. We are talking about mission recovery from service to sobriety. I have three awesome guests, and we're going to keep going right into this. Oh, hold up, Miss Jessica. Uh, I keep telling you, yeah, yeah. You know, I had to get my army. I had to get my army. Oh, yeah. What Veterans Day means to me, and for me, it's it's a two part. The first part is, you know, I'm going to reach out to every single vet I know and come on and thank them. Look them in the eye and thank you because I know I know what it means. But the second part is something that I didn't used to do that I do now because I need to, is I take a moment for me and remember the honor that I have for observing. And I will, I'll go out by myself, I'll bring the flag, it'll bring a tear to my eye and mm-hmm. I'll honor mm-hmm. myself because I lost that when I, through substance abuse and neglect and wow. just, you know, going through that shit, I, I lost those core values. I lost that honor I used to carry when I mm-hmm. served. And I've gotten that back again, but it's through, like Dr. Darren said, is helping others, being of service, that I've regained that sense of honor. And I can remember now and hold my head up high. So that second part to me is I take a moment, I go outside, I look at the flag, I stand tall. And and it always brings a tear to my eye that I honor what I did. Mm. And and know that that was something that I earned. And so, because I I need help inside here too, man. I'm not Mm -hmm. indestructible, you know. Correct. Like wow. Dr. Dice said, you see a veteran, whether it's Veterans Day or not, thank a vet. There you go. You know, because freedom is not free. We don't have to wait to Veterans Day to That's thank right. a vet. That's right. You know, every time you see a vet, give them that recognition. Correct. And when someone thanks me, I don't, I try to always, you know, yeah. thank you, you know, and receive the thanks, you know, right. allow that to kind of come over me because. It, it, it's something I used to blow off. Okay, okay, thank you too. You too. Yeah. You know, but to allow that to take hold, it, it's meaningful and it means something. Correct. I mean, it makes you think about you know some of the stuff that we did. You know what I'm saying? Some of the some of the uh, occupations we went to, some of the deployments we did, and it's like I'm glad to hear you say that, Doctor Dice, because it I I honor myself. You know what I'm saying? And my family always tell me, no, you deserve to be honored. You you did 20 some years. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, Damn. So yeah, so that that is good. Um uh, this this falls down my line, but I want to ask y'all too, and I'm gonna speak on this. Does Veterans Day ignite any feelings or emotions related to your lived experience as a service member? And what I'm gonna say, I'm gonna start with that. Um, I had best friend of mine we used to always talk every day and he passed in the war while we were stationed together and when veterans day comes up when memorial day comes up you know and you can't get away from it because facebook gonna bring up memories and stuff like that so i honor that by what we talked about about me doing my comedy about me doing xyz so i honor that by saying i'm living not through him but i'm letting him I'm, I'm I'm making them proud. Put it that way. That, that's what I want to say. I'm making us proud. So that's what it does ignite me, but it doesn't ignite me into being depressed. Anything is to ignite me into say, hey, continue to be on your grind. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And, and, you know, in recovery, we call that carrying their message. You know, it's been mm, an okay. part of their recovery. And when they pass on, I, I honor them by carrying their message. The okay. same with my brothers and sisters in the service, you know, the tales we tell, but with the part that lives on is through us and, Correct. you know, reliving those moments. And our stories are part of who we are. Yes, and there's people out there who love to hear them. It may not be us anymore telling each other, but there are people out there who love to kind of like, wow, tell us more what happened. You Correct. Know, it's part of, you know, keeping them alive, their spirit. Correct. Wow. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not a veteran in, in recovery, but for for me, Veterans Day and Memorial Day, you know, for me, they ignite a whole sense of gratitude mm. um, and just thankfulness for people being willing to give away a part of their their life and their family's mm. lives, and um, you know, make those steps and again take that commitment of service to 
let us live our lives. Correct. Yeah, I mean, Jessica took the word out of my mouth, and that's okay. We can share gratitude. Yes, we can. You know, because gratitude is uh, something, I think it's a mainstay. I am so grateful. But I'm also reminded, though, what lights my fire, because I've worked with a lot of homeless vets. Mm. I was a homeless vet. I'm technically, technically homeless right now. Okay. You know, I, I'm not moving back to Pennsylvania. I have to find my niche out here where I currently reside in, in uh, South Brunswick, New Jersey. And I'm working closely with the VA out here um, who, you know, your audience may or may not know. I'm assuming they don't know anything about what's called Hood Bash, which is Section 8 for Veterans. Okay. And the VASH program is so important because it it, it, it it provides a resource for homeless vets to have access to housing. Mm. And so I'm very passionate about that, not, not just because I need it, um, because there are thousands of men and women uh, veterans who have served their country That's and right. for them to be experiencing homelessness is a travesty. Correct. And it's something that really needs to be, I mean, there are some things in place to address that, but can we do more? We can always do more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, not only that, how about our men and women veterans who are struggling with mental health issues? Correct. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, um, and so, you know, it's things, it's those dynamics that I had talked about earlier that I'm passionate about. We talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. We talk about trauma, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be trauma through military service. Correct. It could be any kind of trauma. Correct. Uh, because we experienced, I experienced a tremendous trauma after I separated from the military and it changed my life. So, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm that same person who, who carries all of that and, you know, and we need the resources that organizations like Jessica's and uh, right. the Veterans Administration and what you do, uh, you know, is so important to get the word out. Get right. You know, so by any means necessary. That's right. It, real quick, I want to That was a great conversation. It's funny. We hear we spend a lot of time on attention on the sacrifices of injury, mental health, on uh, loss of her brothers, all these things. But being a father of five, mm -hmm. okay. I'm away from family, trading years of our family life for service to our country. Come on. A huge sacrifice that isn't reported. People aren't saying on their, you know, when they're claiming benefits, oh, I'm out of my family life. But that takes a huge toll on yes, relationships. Yes, it does on a self-worth as a dad. I mean, mm -hmm. all these different avenues that that draws from, but that is a, an exchange that I'm willing to trade for service to my country. Yeah. So that is just a, a huge sacrifice that often goes unlooked or underappreciated. That, that is powerful that you said that because I mean, when I went to, you know, Iraq, my kids were in high school. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm missing high school years and mm -hmm. they having to worry about is dad coming back home. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's like we, like you said, we look at that veteran, but what about that family that was also doing that? That is, that is powerful mm -hmm. right there. That is powerful. Listen, y'all, we are talking to Dr. Darren, Dr. Dice, and Miss Jessica McGraw, y'all. We talking about mission recovery from service to sobriety, y'all. We're going to keep going with this right here. What do y'all do to help with stressful situations? We're going to YouTube, Miss Jessica, because I know you got a part that you play in I what you do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to come to you first. What do you do okay. to help with stressful situations? Okay. So for me, I practice yoga. There you go. And I teach yoga. Okay. And so I have, I'm a registered yoga teacher, and I actually specialize in what's called Warriors at Ease, which is a military and veteran first responder dedicated type of yoga. Um, and so I have the unique pleasure of actually being able to teach veterans and service members and their families this practice of yoga. So that's kind of how I have found a way for me to 
relieve my stress and then hopefully be able to give back to relieve others people's stress. Um, and it's something that I love and I try to incorporate daily, even if it's just breathing practices or, or if it's movement or both, or if I teach a class and I don't practice a class. Um, but for me, that's, that's where I turn. Wow. That's good. I'm so glad you mentioned, uh, Jessica about yoga because, um, trauma yoga is something that I've done here because there's a lot of body work that we do and, and to get in touch with or do the, the trauma work, um, the, the treatment that's involved, the approach. There are many different, uh, but trauma yoga is one uh, because there are a lot of uh, memories that are repressed through trauma experiences, uh, but a lot of it is stored in the body. Absolutely. The Body Keeps the Score, which is a oh, great yeah. book um, that talks a lot about that. Um, and, uh, you know, for me also, mindfulness meditation okay. um, is is a big one. Uh, I think we mentioned mindfulness um, early on, but it's a whole approach. Mm -hmm. um, and just about, you know, just being present right here, right now. Um, you know, how often do we drive down the road and get to a certain point and don't know how we got there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, wow, what happened? Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many exits I missed that way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the mindfulness approach keeps me aware of, you know, my surroundings and not just with my surroundings, but with my body, what's going on if I, in my mind. Um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention AA. Um, I, I'm very heavily involved in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, and of course, the work that I do here currently at Footprints, there's a big trauma uh, approach here where I'm involved in what's called EMDR, or brain spotting. I mean, those are technical terms. Those those are approaches that are used to help to recall um, repressed memories um, and to be able to learn to live with trauma. Uh, it is, you know, I will never forget my trauma uh, or the issues related to my post-traumatic stress disorder. But I can learn to live with it. Mm -hmm. And um, and and that's the goal. I used to always talk about how tormented I have been in my life because of the trauma or because of my PTSD. I don't have to live that way anymore. I don't have to be tormented. I can learn how to live and uh, and be happy and, and comfortable in my own skin. Good stuff. For me, Bernard, I mean, uh -huh. first and foremost, number one, don't make it worse. Uh -huh. <laughs> In the hole. I mean, a lot of my first instincts are to make something worse. Okay. More possible, you know, I'm going to come back even harder and it's going to make it even worse. So that's my first instinct. I usually got to suppress that. Uh, the second one, I learned this in the rooms as well, Dr. Darren. Um, I, I'm going to grab the throttle of life and I'm going to pull up to 10,000 feet and take a bird's eye view of my life and realize what I'm going through is just a little piece. That's right. It's not going to mean that much again. You know, so I pull up quick and get up there. And if that doesn't work, I bust out the old gratitude list. Okay, this sucks, but what? Look at that whole list of stuff I am grateful for right now. The life is still good, even though right now it seems shitty. And the last one, I tell someone about it, you know, yes. I my sponsor, I share it in a meeting. I, I just call a friend, my wife. I mean, I let that shit out. And that's something I never used to do because if we're taught in the military, handle your shit. You know? right. So now I, I'm, a, I'm more like, hey, what do you think was going on here? And I'm open to others' perspectives. Wow. That's okay. good. And, well. and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Dr. Dice, because, you know, one of the things I've learned is it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to be this tough, rigid, you know, guy who's got this military background and you know, I've learned to to cry and to be vulnerable and and to know it's okay 
that. And and you had mentioned it, Dr. Dice, about the importance of having people around you, mm-hmm. being connected, because addiction is about disconnection. Exactly. You know, and, and sobriety and recovery is about reconnecting. Mm-hmm. And it's about being around people, like-minded people, who can identify, not compare, but identify with what you're going through or what the struggle is. And that's the way it is with the military first responders group. Okay. You know, there's a lot of differences, but boy, there's so many things that we have in common that that those are the those are the the binds that keep us together. You know, that connection is so important. Wow. That's good. Yeah, we got to have connection. Got to have connection. And and, and mine's is basically uh, laughter. Uh, I try I try to I, I laughter has been such a important part of my recovery mm-hmm. because it has allowed me to get on stage and really speak my truth and make people laugh about it. I mean, mm-hmm. veterans will come up to me and say, "Hey, man, I know exactly. I can I can relate to that. I just want to be relatable. I that's that's really all I want to be." So. On Veterans Day, I'll be doing comedy at a VFW here in Norfolk, Virginia. And I just want to just always, because I take on a lot of stuff. We all do. We take on a lot of stuff because we figure we can handle it. And I like what he said about tell others. My family is my boundary. They tell me, sit down. <laughs> sit All over the place. And you have to be vulnerable. You know, and y'all understand this. Being vulnerable, my wife saw me cry in uh, in in my therapist's office, and that to me, that was a. And she said that I gave her a part of me mm. that she will always keep. Mm-hmm. It's like I was vulnerable, yeah. and and that's why we, you know, that's what I like what y'all do because y'all make people vul- vulnerable when they talk to y'all. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, we have to be able to try. Well, I think one of the things that in this discussion that we've missed is the importance of some some spirituality. Yes. Uh, Mm -hmm. What 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 makes all this possible for me is having we're talking about connection. Correct. Having connection with the higher power. Correct. I mean, you know, whatever you choose to call your higher power. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that's been, and I have talked about how I disconnected from my higher power on 9-11. And a big part of my journey today is about seeking. Mm-hmm. Seeking and reestablishing and enhancing that connection with the higher power. Because without faith, and you had said something about trust. Without faith and trust, um, how can I? How can you know? How can I keep it all together? Mm-hmm. I have to be able to be in a place in my life where I can be available to receive. I got to pay attention, and this goes back to mindfulness. Because if I'm so busy thinking that I'm, you know, the center of the universe, and that the world revolves around me. Listen, 80% of what goes on around me has nothing to do with me. Yep. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, any, and I think Dr. Dykes mentioned it earlier, if there's anything, new conditions that happen, I create them. And, you know, so I, I have, I've been blessed with grace. I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. The grace of being able to make a choice to live or to die. It's just that simple. Correct. And uh, I choose to live. So having said that, there are certain things that I understand that I need to do so I can be a productive member of society, so I can be in a position to give back to the men and women who are still sick and suffering, military and first responders and all groups who need that that extra hand. Because it's been so long that I, I, I stayed in the darkness and decided that now was time for me to embrace the light. God, right. And, and the light is uh, my sobriety, the people I surround myself with, how I live my life. It doesn't take nothing to be kind, to be loving, to be caring. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think that's what it's all about for me. You know, uh, being that first kind and caring and, and that cares about my fellow man. Good, good one. I, w- I would also throw in there perhaps another question being uh, addressing the stigma around 
uh, mm -hmm. mental health services. Got uh, it. Okay. It, it definitely. It, it's always a challenge just to get their foot in the door. And mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of programming stopping them from getting that far. So yes, making it something more norm, more normal, more approachable. Um, so. Wow. Um, this is this is a lot of this is and since y'all therapists and Miss Miss uh, Jessica, you are up there too. <laughs> what what I want people to realize is words and wording of certain things can make it either good or bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have to think about how we say certain things. And one of the most powerful things for me, the VA called my wife my caregiver. Mm -hmm. My therapist said, change your wording. She is your partner in recovery. Nice. So that means if she's my partner, that means both of us have to do something. Right. You know, and I share and I share with people as a comedian, when I'm on stage, the biggest compliment somebody can call me and say, boy, you crazy. You a fool. <laughs> but I'm a comedian. I'm used to that. I can't say that to a veteran who's trying to be in recovery or come to me, you know, and I say, so wording means a lot. What, how do y'all feel about that? I think that it's super important to meet them where they're at. You know, we can, we can tell them up here, you need to do that, but everyone in their whole life is trying to tell them what to do. I need to come down and be real with them and mm -hmm. be able to connect before we can go anywhere. So Correct. I got to be able to be speaking a language they can understand and trust mm -hmm. before any work is done. Correct. Bernard, I think this is right up your alley. I mean, this is what you do. You help mm -hmm. end the stigma with mental health and substance use and some of those experiences that we think, you know, are going to direct the, the rest of the course of our lives and you being able to put um, a different turn and twist on it, even with processing traumatic situations differently for PTSD, I think is lovely. Um, mm -hmm. And having a, the sense of humor about some things, right? Right. Uh, so I think you're one of like a perfect example of being able to kind of pivot uh, the stigma around mental health and what treatment looks like and mm -hmm. all of the components that it involves. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. I, I think what, what I agree with Dr. Dice and what Jessica said as well. I mean, you have to meet a person where they're at. Um, outside that, just in general, and as far as how I conduct myself around other people, whether they be professionals or lay people or whomever, just watch what I say because sometimes because, you know words can be misused and you know words can hurt and if you don't think about what you're going to say before you say it, then you can get yourself in a world of trouble. So think before you speak, <laughs> and um, you know, give it some time. You, I don't have to respond, and 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 this is the other thing. If I don't know the answer to a question, I'll say, well, listen, um, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll get back to you, or I will find somebody who may have that answer for you. Correct. I don't have to know everything. Correct. Right. Yeah. And see. That's one of my biggest things when I talk to veterans and when my I tell them my job is to gain your trust. Mm -hmm. And then I give them to the resources. I am a resource, but I'm not the resource. Mm -hmm. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's y'all are the resources. I really don't want to be the one that has to go and sit where, you know, that's not me. So when we are true to who we are, as he said, when we are true to who we are, we can do more help than harm. Exactly. And so, are important. Uh, before I go any further, go ahead, go what's, the, what's the rating for this podcast? Is, is this a is this a PG thirteen or what? It is what you it is what you just made it. <laughs> I ask because you know, you meet someone, you're talking to them, and all of a sudden, I drop an f bomb. Right. They're like, you're not the normal doctor. You know what? There's a disconnect, and I start speaking a language in which they're accustomed to. You know, that process of, okay, I'm taking one layer of the armor off, you know. Correct. That is so important. Not being stuck in my ivory tower of my sterile gloves on saying, do some good therapy. Correct. You know, getting in the trenches with them. It's important. Correct. Yeah. That's I right. mean, hey, I mean, as you as we are talking about, you know, this is processing traumatic situations differently. Some people might come to you and that's all the language they want to talk. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I go back to if that person that's talking to you and you using that, you know, language, you might not be the therapist for them. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it that's why people say, man, I went to a therapist. I didn't like him. Okay, go to another one. How many times you went to a club? You didn't like it, but you kept going. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So just because somebody yeah. uses language that's not good, it's okay. That's not a therapist for me. But don't say yeah. that therapist is can't help anybody. I no. Know. Did you no. marry the first girl you dated? No. Yeah. No. They, there you go. There you go, man. And, listen, and, y'all, and let's not forget. A, and let's not ahead. forget also that some clients just need somebody to let it in. Mm-hmm. You know, to just just to take time to listen. You know, the reason why I became a social worker in the first place is because the social worker that helped me when I was uh, really struggling when I was homeless those many years ago took time with me. You know, just listen and just allow me to talk. And, you know, and then I just felt so comfortable because then that person told me, let me know they were hearing me by interjecting things. Let me know that she heard me. Correct. You, you know what I mean? What so it's very subtle, but at the same time, very powerful. Correct. Wow. You know, sometimes I don't have to do a whole lot of talking. I think that's part of the connection piece, right? Sometimes I um, implement... Um, an exercise before we move into a yoga practice of, of connection and offering people the opportunity to actually sit back and listen while another person speaks and not have verbal communication while the other person is talking. And it's really challenging mm-hmm. for someone to sit back and not verbally respond to what others are saying because it's our natural tendency to interject and interfere and tell our story. But, um, yeah. It's it's really interesting to see people's experience, but you know, a lot of times we just we just want to be heard. People just want right. to, and it that's what creates those connections, right? Absolutely. Wow. And for a lot of people, there's a lot of people who feel the need to want to rescue. Yeah. Right. Mm. You know, I, I need to rescue you, and sometimes, mm. like you, you were saying, Jessica, we just need to sit back and listen and and uh, and hear what the person has to say. And yeah, and sometimes people are going to do what they want to do, and 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 that's what I had to that's what I had to come to grips with. It's like I ain't gonna be able to help everybody. Some people just ain't gonna want to, you know. It's like man, you laugh too much, man. You all you do, you know. So I get that. So let me give you to somebody else who can get you the reason, because that's all we are resources. We're not like you said. We're not trying to fix anybody. We're just trying to get you to the resources, but. As you can see, my my thing on the back behind me, straight out of therapy. Hey, I preach that. I preach that. I I love my therapist, and I take my meds. You know what I'm saying? I'm not ashamed to say. I have had so many people want to want to come and talk to me through Facebook or message because I'm open, mm-hmm. and I know and I heard how, how both of you gentlemen are open. Yeah. So. Hey, Bernard, I had to take a double look at, double take at that, because I swore it said I'm straight out of Compton. No, 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 no. That's, that's straight out of therapy. That is straight out of therapy. And listen, for those of y'all who can't see, because we are also doing this on live, Dr. Dice sitting up here with a shirt and showing all his muscles and everything, you know, that's intimidating for a brother like me with all this belly fat to be sitting in front of you. <laughs> well, you should see it when I walk in the room and they're like, you're my therapist? Yeah, no. <laughs> are, are you here to help me or beat me up? What's right, up? right. You will hey, do Dr. Dice, once a Navy SEAL, always a Navy SEAL? Always a Navy SEAL. That's wow. Listen, y'all, we have been having some great conversation on mission recovery service to sobriety. Listen, this is the podcast processing traumatic situations differently. We all process trauma differently than the next person. And I want to thank my guests for being here. But before we close out, I want y'all to take just a small moment. Okay. What would you say, you too, Miss Miss Jessica, what would you say to that veteran? that is struggling with their recovery. What positive words you can give them, some small, some sweet, that, you know, to keep them to going. That person about to give up, but what would you say to that person? 
Long pause. Long pause. Uh, the pastor. Go first? I, go first. I go first. But no, Miss Jessica, you go first because you. Okay. you I, I mean, I think that I would keep it simple and I would say just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward one day at a time, one minute at a time, one hour at a time, one decision at a time. Take a deep breath, maybe two or three, and just keep moving forward. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would say that it's not how you fall. Is how you get up, mm, and okay. that there is hope for 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 you. And please don't leave before the miracle happens. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I would add on there. Someone was there for me. Please allow me the honor to be there for you. That is that's a t-shirt. <laughs> that right there is a t-shirt. Listen, y'all, this has been a great conversation. Dr. Dern, if you can give people your social media, you have you have social media that people can find you well, on. Just simply dr dr uh, skinner707 at gmail.com. Um, you know, you can always Gmail me. Um, you can look me up on Facebook, uh, Darren C. Skinner. Okay. Uh, GHD, and that's all I have. All right, PhD. He put that in there. I got a PhD too. <laughs> Dr. Dice. Dr. Dice. You can uh, any number of things. You can look for me on Facebook. Um, you can Google me on YouTube. Uh, hit me up at the Farley Center. The FarleyCenter.com. Boom. A bunch of people just like me working there hard, being of service. Or if you have a direct question, it's uh, Dr. Tony Dice at gmail.com. And Ms. Jessica. Yeah, so Summit will be putting um, this out on all of our social media platforms. But if you'd like more information about our Tactical Recovery Veteran Support Services, you can visit tacticalrecovery.com for more information. Wow. Thank you, great people, for being here tonight. And listen, whatever we do, we do for you, veterans. Whatever we do, we do for you because you are the ones that have sacrificed you are the ones along with your families that have made it possible and i thank you miss jessica i thank you dr dice and i thank you dr Duran. you have been listening to the ptsd podcast processing traumatic situations differently with your host bernard Hine. thanks for listening to the ptsd podcast if you enjoyed this episode please hit follow or subscribe on all podcast platforms so you can stay up to date on new episodes until next time, stay stigma-free.